Good evening, everyone. This is a surprise podcast with Josh and Joe. Coming to you from perched high above the thirsty owl. And fresh off of a Bush concert. Mm, that's right. They uh, kind of snuck up on us and um, Sequin and I enjoyed ourselves with a little trip to Connecticut to on catch Gavin and the boys. On, on a school night. Of course, on a school night. Would I have it any other way with my parenting style? No. What everyone else says to do, I just kind of do the opposite. <laughs> it's working so far. Seiko seems half decent. Right? More happy than kid. Half decent. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So just um, you were downstairs with some friends at the Owl on a, on a uh, nice Friday night. Tonight, yes. Uh, and uh, we just figured, hey, let's uh, take this party upstairs and chat a little bit. Yeah, we have a reluctant guest, although I'm sure he's a talker, so I'm sure he's gonna weigh right in here. Maybe, but we don't, you know, no pressure. Zero right? pressure. Yeah, no peer pressure here. The streets are a cold place to, you know, sleep at tonight, so. That's right, so you tell him, yeah, very good. <laughs> if he doesn't help out, he's uh, on the park bench, <laughs> Congress <laughs> Park, hanging out with right. the ducks. <laughs> with his wallet in my purse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As long as he catches a few of them, so we can have some duck confit here tomorrow night. Oh, duck confit! Yeah, well, I've we, never had that. I have no, I have no desire. I, I think we do it really well, and we do we do a special on it sometimes. But duck, I'm okay with. But what is duck confit? I should know this as a restaurateur. What is it? Does Brett? anyone know that? Does anyone know the answer? No one knows. Nobody knows. Anna, that. sound engineer. Anna, do you know what duck confit is? Mm. Oh, duck cooked that in its own it fat. Sound more attractive. <laughs> People that like it really do, and I am. Um, the way that's described to me doesn't sound super appealing. So I'll leave it for the people who seem to enjoy it. Have you ever had French fries cooked in duck fat? Because that is a special in some of the higher end restaurants. I'm not sure that I have. Yeah, it is tasty. If I have, it, it was uh, unwittingly. I think would be the right word for that. <laughs> so, yeah, so what do you got for us? Do you, well, I mean, are there any fun notes? Do you have any uh, jumping off points I tonight? Or is this going to be a real... I do, and okay. I am going to guilt the, you know what, out of, out of breath for a second here. Okay. Because he's going about to lean over and share. <laughs> um, the topic I wanted to cover with another guy friend of ours mm -hmm. was uh, dating styles and dating approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not available because he's been on business travel. Okay. And and I'm not talking about dating styles today. I'm talking about dating styles from our teens, our 20s, our 30s, 40s. So I, I don't want anything to be a current commentary. Okay. So um, I want to ask you some random questions as to what and how men asked for dates when they were younger and in their 20s and their 30s. So. These days it's easy because there's the dating apps and it's very casual these days. But I think it used to be a lot more formal. Yeah, I don't know that I'm ready to refute that theory. I think you're probably right to a degree, but I think it's become more streamlined and it becomes easier, um, easier to accomplish. You know, grabbing a date because you can just you know text someone or you can connect with them on an app. Right. Um, as opposed to sweating out a real life situation where do I think this makes sense to ask this person out? I'm interested to a degree. We just watched an episode of Ted Lasso mm -hmm. where uh, Coach Nate 
the uh, bad guy coach from the other team, West Ham, was freaking out whether or not to ask out the host from his favorite restaurant, mm-hmm. a Greek restaurant. And he keeps asking, should I do this? Should I do that? And then he went with this like kind of weird little grand gesture thing. And then it gets run over by the car. He puts this little little thing together. And he's like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to ask. And then it works out for him. He right? like bedazzled a Yeah, like, like a some box. little thing of a jig. And yeah, it was a cute. Right. But, you know, sometimes you don't need a grand gesture. That whole episode was um, Jack and uh, Keely dating uh-huh. and uh, Jack, who's a woman. Um, you hadn't seen the show in a while, so you I were surprised to see Keely dating a woman, which is kind of interesting. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, that was a lot of the love bombing and the, you know, big grand gestures versus just, you know, let things play out. Right. right? Well, I I feel like in my early 20s when I was a professional in Washington, I felt like the first date had to be very formal. I think it was a sign of the times. Like a date was you showed up, you were dressed up, you made a reservation at a nice restaurant. Is is that something you did in your early 20s? You came from a more traditional culture. Um, I I shared with you one of my dates from my time in D.C. when we were there around the same time, and I had to kick in a bathroom door to get someone who had maybe had too many margaritas. So um, I would say that your experience is different than others. I think in the land of... um, Online dating then, I think a lot of people got dates from uh, still stuff that was kind of internet-based, web-based, Craigslist and such. Um, And some dating apps were very new at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But I still think that your experience has always been a little bit more traditional. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to also call that formal, then that's fine too. But yeah. I can promise you that any of the first dates that I had in the time that I was in D.C., which was like the end of 2001 to 2005, mm-hmm. none of them were getting dressed up. I've never, ever really worn a tie or a suit or anything remotely close to that at a first date. If you got a button-down shirt out of me, <sighs> I was like winning the mega... What's the one with the where they have the lotteries from all the different states? Like it would would have Mega been a one, yeah, whatever. whatever. I mean, I just didn't do it. I never wanted to do that. I've never wanted to do that. I've never wanted to think that it would be impressive for someone to see me dressed up. That doesn't make me more interesting and more cool, or better, you know, catch romantically if I'm wearing fancy clothes. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, that's, you know, again, it's my opinion. And we always talk about it on the podcast. This is my opinion. It doesn't mean right. it's right or wrong. But what you're wearing is no reflection of who you are. You can think it is. You can think it is all you want. If you yeah. can have a fancy handbag or a fancy pair of shoes. I can tell you, ladies, right now, no one gives a shit about your shoes. Anyone who has a penis anyways. No one sits there and goes, oh, those are, you know, $500 shoes. No one gives a shit other than you. So it's maybe like- think twice about that $500 purchase. No one cares. Are you speaking directly to me or everybody um, yeah, out there? I think there? I'm speaking to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you've, you know, we've, we're, we're all doing our own learning as we've started this podcast. Right. But, um, you know, like I talked to Seiko about, you know, driving a combined six hours on a school night and <laughs> spending a few bucks on um, a really nice experience with Gavin and the boys. That, um, um. You know, life, if you're going to spend money, I think it should be on experiences and maybe not objects, not, not things. 
That's so, true. Yeah, no one cares. No guy's ever, I can promise you, if you've been on there however many first dates, no one's ever said, oh, boy, you know, it went pretty well. It was a good solid B for a date, but she had a Gucci handbag and she had these fancy shoes. So I bumped that up to an A minus. No one's ever thought that. It's never happened. Never will happen. So you got to ask yourself, does this make sense to do? Yeah. Well, I, you know, again, it's for me, it's a personal, it's a personal choice. And I happen to have very small feet, so I have to wear nice shoes because otherwise they don't make nice shoes for small feet like mine. But it is nice to feel dressed up. I don't. Well, that's for you. Yeah, it is for me. A hundred percent. Okay. It doesn't mean I have to have the guy take me out to a fancy dinner. In fact, I would probably be turned off by that because fancy dinners are just like, I'd rather go to a place where I like the meal. Sure. Yeah. So tell me more about what you thought of what you said. Like you'd rather buy experiences than things for your. I'd child. rather pay handsomely for some sort of experience, not for objects. Like what? I don't. I don't really get that. And people have the opposite theory, and I don't think that I'm necessarily right. But I would rather, you know, go to Foxwoods, watch this show, this amazing band with you know great people around and have this great experience and meet the band and have a photo op and spend a few bucks on that. And then, of course, we already talked about how Seek and I left a road trip and we have a great time with that. Yeah. And get home late. And then, you know, this morning, 6 o'clock rolls around. He answers the bell. We go do BP at the Wilton Y before school. Then he has a tennis match. Then he goes and plays golf. And, I mean, it was just a full day. And he's still up somewhere. Um and you know that experience has tremendous value so you look at okay if i spent x on that what else would i spend x on that would be around forever that's an object that probably will get thrown away at some point will get forgotten about but i am pretty sure francisco to the end of his day is going to remember that night yeah you know get a drumstick from the drummer at bush from for bush and get a signed poster from gavin and the boys and you know got to do a little photo op with them i mean it's just sensational was meeting Gavin Rosdale like up close and personal mm-hmm. was that something that was more for you I've as met well Gavin I think we've had this conversation oh, okay I forgot yeah I forgot yeah okay yeah that's a whole thing but um, that's happened for me before but I, I mean for Seiko it hasn't and I was um, yeah pleasantly surprised at how cool he thought that experience was yeah. um, but you know, watching him leave those shows has been really cool for me Mm -hmm. Um, because that's probably how I felt when I was in my 20s when I saw him the first time and was really into the music and um, and I still am that's why I still go to the shows I mean I've probably seen him 18 times now but Seiko that's either his fifth or sixth Bush show already at age 12 (laughs) (laughs) and he's seen almost 10 concerts at 12 I didn't see my first I'm a huge music fan always have been yeah that is really young to see concerts my first um, concert was Phil Collins at SPAC, but I didn't live in Saratoga Springs at that point. I lived in Central New York. I lived in Rome. So that was probably late 80s. Um, I was probably in you know ninth grade or something like that. Were you a big Phil Collins fan? I mean, big enough to go watch him with my brother and his friends. I mean, he was old enough to drive. So he was probably 16 or 17. So I was 14 or 15. My first concert, I was 14 or 15. He's been to 10 shows at age 12, which is really cool. All Bush shows are killers. You guys no, went to the I, killers? I just said, yeah, he's yeah. been to 10 shows and he's seen five or six five Bush or six, shows. Right. So he's, uh, he's not seen the killers. He's seen Brett Denon, who's fantastic. 
Um, we just talked about this. He's in the other room, but um, yeah, no, he's seen all really cool shows. Um, yeah, so it's good to expose him to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. All right, so what are we talking about dating at age twenty versus thirties yeah. versus forties? What, what's so so dating in your thirties? How did you meet these people? And was it norm? Was that when you were playing? Um, a lot of golf in the nope i played golf from 22 to 27 27 okay. and then i coached college golf from 27 to 34 so in your 30s how would how did you approach people girls women <laughs> was it a bar i tended to date people that were over 18 <laughs> the age of majority yeah that's women. kind of important age of consent right yeah um yeah, I think I worked on campuses, so that would I mean you had people that were, you know, you, you know, in that kind of probably 22 to, you know, 30 range that, that worked there or went in and out of campus. Other coaches, you know, you were working with other coaches that were young adults, that were assistant coaches. Um, yeah, I mean, you're in San Francisco, which is a town of 700. Why are you looking at me so confused? No, no, I'm not. I, I forgot. It's a town of 750,000 people. Right. And you're probably half and half men and women, and probably half of the men are gay. Yeah. So I had some pretty good odds in my favor. <laughs> so it was very easy to get a date in San Francisco. Same in Washington D.C. I didn't know if you knew the statistics for of gay people. Yeah, yeah. It was like forty to fifty percent. Mm, Dupont Circle, especially. Circle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how would you approach them? Just do you just go? Do you casually walk by the athletic desk and say, "Hey, no, you want to go for a drink can sometime?" Figure out if someone's interested in you. I, I, um. You know, I, I I don't think that I was always very good at, um, you know, walking up to someone, you know, not to kind of steal the plot from Ted Lasso, season three, episode, whatever we just watched, five. I don't think that I have always been gifted at just going up to someone who I was uncertain whether they were interested in me or not. I think I waited until there was um, significant evidence that someone may be interested in me before I would, you know, kind of go to that spot. Like or they, contact? Or they would ask me out. Oh. Not eye contact. I don't go up to someone in a bar because I don't go out. No, no, no. I'm talking about at the athletic room or whatever. Wherever well, you, you talk. Yeah, you yeah. go to lunch together. I mean, everyone just talks about coaching, you know. Um, it's not always, you know, it's not always a given that, you know, the women's lacrosse coach is going to be into golf so you can't just sit there and talk about golf or lacrosse I didn't, I'm not into lacrosse at all but you can talk about coaching style you can talk about mm. being an athlete or being a college athlete being a professional athlete I mean you have athletics in common Yeah. you know and you can kind of chat a little bit and you can you know just cues to you know someone you know figuring out that someone's interested in you or not so did you stay in your circle of friends and community I'm actually trying to make a point here. Like you just, you dated people within the community of athletics and sports and coaches and other athletes. Did you find yourself coming, going outside of that community when you looked for dates? Or not, not necessarily no, look for dates. I don't think dates, I ever right? just was without a significant other. I was like, I am going to proactively try to date someone tonight and go to the DuPont Circle or go to... Friendship Heights and just go into a bar and be like, mm, I am programmed to find a date tonight. Like, I, I don't know what you're trying to ask. If you're asking, is it common to date someone who who, who works within your circle or right. operates in your circle? Right. Of course, that's the case. Yeah. That's why all things romance happen that way. That's most affairs happen that way. It's someone from work because you're around them. 
like I don't know what you're getting at here. Yes, you tend to date or become interested in someone who travels in your circles because you don't know people who circles you don't travel in. No, <laughs> unless you find them on a dating app. Again, I don't know what you're asking. We're talking about we talk about dating apps now, mm-hmm. and you know because of dating apps, you're meeting people from as that far are outside as of your three three hours away just because you happen to cross paths in the digital world. Correct. So I, it's just not a preferred way. I don't think. Whereas before, we used to date people in the community that we lived in, in the sure. city, you know, who shared the same interests. It was so much easier. Mm. Family, you know, friends of family, brothers of, um, you know, brothers of uh, friends, and so sure. on. And so that was so. Yeah, you set someone up as blind dates. There's, oh, you would be great for Skip, or you'd be yeah. great for Sally. You know, you know, yeah, sure. We gotta go back. That still happens. I that still a, happens. I think a lot less. Thing. Okay. Of course, because you have this new tool that makes it even more easy. And you can live almost in anonymity before you meet up. Yeah. You can say things that you wouldn't normally say. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no consequence. If you go to someone that you work with, you know, if I went up to the lacrosse coach when I was the golf coach at AU or at San Francisco, and they said, mm, yeah, I like talking sports with you, but I don't want to go out for a cocktail with you. I'm not into, you know, tall, blonde guys with blue eyes. I, I'm not into that. I like uh, shorter, stout guys that have uh, brown hair. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's great. But that's kind of tough to live with, right? Right. But, I mean, you connect with someone who's 27 miles away and, you know, you understand what I'm saying? So it's easier because you can just put it out there. And it's so, you know, uh, transactional to just go, okay, uh, you like each other, you know, and and you send a little note note to them. Oh, how's it going? How's your Friday? (laughs) You know, and, you know, some people really enjoy the chat back and forth on the apps or when they take it to an actual phone or they can take it to a conversation app like WhatsApp or (laughs) Telegraph or Telegram or whatever those are, you know, and um, and you can chat. Some people like, ah, I want to get together in real life. Let's go out for a drink. And some people like to, you know, banter more uh, on, you know, on a messaging app or something like that before they get together in the real world. But. Did you know, Jesus it makes said, it more anonymous and easier to put it out there mm-hmm. um, because you will never see this person. They live 27 miles away. You're not going to travel in the same circle. So it's easier that way. Did you used to send flowers? Nope. To, you never sent Thank flowers? Thank you, no. Ever? I have received more flowers than I have oh sent. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Uh, why? What, what? If we just met today, it's not that I don't give effort. I give effort in a different way. I show up. You need me. I'm there. Stuck like glue. But in my own way, right? Sending flowers, what the hell is that? They die in three, like what are you talking about? Flowers are great, okay? They're wonderful. But that does not mean that you care for someone. Caring for someone means that you care for them. Not sending them flowers. Flowers are nice. If I receive flowers, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. But it doesn't mean that they like me more just means they thought of me and that gesture is wonderful but i would rather just show up for someone in the, in real life why are you looking confused the girl sent you flowers yeah i've received more flowers in my life than i have sent other people and i've sent flowers before but it's very uncommon for me to do so what was your reaction when girls send you flowers and i'm not trying to i'm not i'm not trying to be funny about it i'm just saying like what does I say, a gesture mean to that's you? that's nice I try my hardest to take care of them. They will die within somewhere between two days and a week. and But it's still a very nice gesture. But why are you so stuck on flowers? Because it's a traditional gesture. You and your 
Filipino you, traditional culture can stick it, man. Hold on. Not what is going me, on with this? Not just me. There's florist shops all over America. And that's from wonderful. The, from the age of whatever. And then the 99% of people who are way into flowers can keep them in business. I'm just not going to be one of right. them. It's just I'm, like I'm just saying McDonald's, 94 billion serves. Keep bragging, 99 McDonald's. now, right. Keep, keep bragging. Okay, you sold a lot of food. Yeah, yeah. All a right? lot of burgers. Good job. <laughs> can we stop at the number now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? I'm just with? saying... You're, I'm not the only one who went through the traditional uh, dance of dating. And you just, you are an anomaly. Like, you're probably one of the only people I know who never thought about those things. Like, I have guy friends who send girls flowers. I have guy friends who, you know, did the gestures. You're just... Let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you this, Joe. Okay, so the flower things you're caught up on a little bit. A little, but back then. How, not how many guys would to someone that they've dated for six months, teach their kids how to play baseball and pitch them batting practice until their arm fell off. Very little. Zero. Zero, yes. But out of 100 guys, 67 of them would send flowers. Which would you rather have if you had two kids that were looking to take up a sport and they didn't play sports and obviously were self-conscious about it? Yes, obviously the former. So I think I'm doing it right. It's Josh for the win. It is like if we're playing tic-tac-toe, it's Josh for the win. But even this is when you were 20s. Like I'm asking when you were dating in your 20s or 30s. You never did? No, because why would I subscribe to something that's just a traditional thing? I wasn't anti-flowers. Why are we making this about flowers so much? We're talking about gestures. I would like to show up for someone and care for them more than I would want to get them a gift. This comes back to love language, Joe, right? Yeah. It does. It does. Acts of service and quality of time is more important than gifts for me. And I don't need to impress my idea of how love languages should play out. But it's very, I'm very strong with that one. I'm, I'm not trying to be funny because now we're referring to a Miley Cyrus song. Has any, uh, has any woman ever said to you in the last 30 years of your dating life, how come you never bought me flowers? Or has they ever, have they ever that has zero been people have said zero? that? Zero people have said that. Huh. And it's okay if they did. Anyone can say anything they want to anyone at any point in time. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Right. And if someone wanted flowers, I'd be okay, great. Would you would you have rather of that or me pitch your kid batting practice or show up for you when you run a half marathon when you've never run one before? Which would you rather have? Because people don't show up for people, Joe. That is correct. So I don't know. I don't know what the big conundrum is here. The big conundrum is like it just you know it's what Hallmark has sold us: buy him the flowers, buy him the cards. What part of traditional dating or traditional anything do you think I subscribe to after knowing me for a year? I just I, I didn't know I didn't know <clears throat> if you were like this when you were younger. I mean, you know, like this, <laughs> you people. <laughs> it's true. I was having a conversation with Brett over here earlier, who's asleep. And, uh, <laughs> just a quick snooze. Just he's resting his eyes. That's what my mom always would say if okay. she would fall so asleep. He said just to resting earlier, his eyes. We were discussing this earlier, if mm-hmm, I might, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I may. I'm going to anyway, so he can't stop may me. May or might? Yeah. I, I said, you know, I think you're going to be a perpetual bachelor. What? <laughs> I really do. Yeah, don't threaten him with a good time. What's wrong with that? And I just, I just. What's what? All right, so let me, let's go definitions for a second. We're going to go a little multi-amory podcast for a second. Let's okay, go definitions. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you're going to be a perpetual bachelor. Perpetually, know what that means? Consistently, always, never ending, right? Bachelor. Yes. What? So, what would be the opposite of a perpetual bachelor? Oh, I, Someone who's married. Yes. So we should all aspire to be married, Joe. What in the hell is going on with this podcast? <laughs> 
I've had a conundrum. Like, we were having this. I when we were driving in the car, fifty-five percent of men in divorce. It's complicated. This is what he said. Financial disaster for the man. Ninety-five percent of the time, and you're th- threatening Brett and I with a good time of not getting married. Like, w- w- is that a negative? What were you trying to suggest? Okay, this is this is where my conundrum is. Okay, okay? this is absolutely and. Don't shit on me for saying this. I'm a female. Yes, you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago, ten years ago, if yeah. I didn't have, if I didn't already have children, which I do, I'm done with the baby factory. Okay. I'm done. If I were thirty years old and forty years old, and I met a great guy, mm-hmm. you know, could I could have been either one of you because you guys are both great, great, great guys. You Brett guys high are. Five. Boom. <laughs> That's why you're my friends. Um, yeah, I would have a huge problem committing myself not only forget the marriage nobody really gets marriage is just a piece of paper at this point if i didn't have children i would have a lot of trouble saying i don't know if i want to stick with this guy as, as great as he is if, if yeah so to me it's a very different standard for women when they go into a relationship what our expectations are and i think it's because we have certain needs of security it's not necessarily just financial josh um, you know, we have needs of security to say, do I want to raise a child with this person? Because our tendency is to procreate and it's, you know, we're the ones who create the next generation. So it's a hard one. Say again, what did you say? We're the, the women one who- are the ones who bear the children. Yes, you so carry I, the child. You need to be child. inseminated. You're familiar with that process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's two roles. You guys carry the bigger burden of that clearly. Yes. Don't you think though it's in our in our interest to choose a mate who we feel would be the kind of person who would stick around? Depends on what part of the dating cycle you're in. If you're 45 years old and don't care to have kids, then procreation is not on your mind. Right. And, and when you're if you start your dating career, if the average person starts their dating career at 15 or 16, you're certainly not thinking about that for the first decade at least probably most people you know if you live in the south or you live in a place where people tend to get married earlier then you probably think about uh, having children maybe a little earlier but i think the average person in the northeast probably doesn't even think about getting married until their mid-20s maybe late 20s and that's predominantly i i don't think there's i'm not anti-marriage i'm not saying that uh, it sounds like I did four minutes ago. If you go mm-hmm. over, or, 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 rewind it, you probably no. You've been hear married, so you're obviously not anti-marriage, right? But I just think that there's nothing wrong with being perpetual bachelor. You kind of were kind of making a joke, but also there was some truth in there. Every little joke, there's usually a little yeah, you know, tinge of you ball busting and being serious about yeah. that. Um, yeah, I think other who- than other than. Other than, you know, I understand the need with like last names maybe or the security of, you know, having, you know, a, a two parent, um, you know, household for a kid. Like, I get that. I get that. But, you know, for, for, for getting married is a fairly pro-female situation. Unless you're talking about kids. And I think I understand getting married to want to have kids. And I understand wanting to get married because you want to show a formal, um, you know, commitment to someone. And that's great. And that's a very beautiful thing as well. But, you know, as far as resources go, guys take it in the face with marriage. You know, if, again, if 50 plus percent of them end in divorce and men typically for the most part make more money than women, they have a lot more to lose at the conclusion of a marriage, if a, if a marriage does not work. Yeah. Is that 
mind blowing to anyone no, who's no. either listening to this podcast or my <laughs> podcast partner or the uh, live studio audience. I don't think this is too much of a um, shocking revelation. Um, I wonder if it's just a truth that women are willing to accept in full and at face value. Let me just say that. I hear your words. What the hell did you yeah. mean by that? What I know I what all those words that. mean. I heard you loud and clear, but what did you mean by that? What I mean by that, it makes it, if I were 25, 35, okay, and I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm hearing what my good friend here who refuses to speak said to me in the car, I would have a lot of trouble wanting to procreate with that person because I would, with I, what I don't person? know if I would feel secure enough to say, okay, this is a long-term commitment situation. And I'm a lot more independent and a lot more confident and secure than most women. And if I feel unsettled hearing the what I'm hearing, like, well, you know, it's gonna work, it's working until it's not working. It, it's, it's a very unsettling situation women are in, I think, these days. Because of all the choices that men have and the progression of relationships and you know it's no longer are you suggesting because of modern dating that there's a total breakdown in the dynamic of dating and marriage well, i don't yes. understand what you're saying yes i think be okay so you're talking be... about people that are in the same age men and women that are that are straight mm -hmm. from 25 to 35 mm -hmm. what has you're saying that people are marrying less what are you saying yes i think making a commitment for a long-term relationship that involves a child is a lot harder today than it was 30 years ago. Okay, when now you've I made a clear and concise statement. Yes. Now tell me why you feel that way. Because there's a lot of choices out there. We have a that lot is such of a vague options. statement. You're not meaning like we have, we're, we're exposed to more people out there digitally and feel like, eh, I'm not going to work really hard on this relationship because there's a hundred more on my Bumble account. That works from. both ways, and and you yes. women have a much better, much easier time on dating apps than men do. Yes, yes, yes. And I know we've discussed this. I'm just saying something like I'm just saying for serious women who want to find a mate and want to build a family, mm -hmm. I think it's a lot more challenging these days. Yeah, but you have to have two. That's the beauty part of this is is to quote unquote settle down and get married and have a child. Mm -hmm. You have to have a willing other person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you if that doesn't work, then it was never going to work in the first place. Like I, you can't. I understand your argument. Yeah. But you have to to settle down and have a family and to get married. You have to have two willing participants. Agreed. Uh, yes, absolutely. And irrefutably, there are men that want to have kids like my desire to have a child. And it's played out exactly like I hoped it would mm. was so strong. But it was at the, you know, early to mid 30 point for me that's mm -hmm. when i was like you know what i really want to do this mm -hmm. and it wasn't because i no longer desired new experiences physically or romantically it was just i had this desire to have a kid i knew in my heart of hearts mm -hmm. that i was going to have a, a kid as cool as francisco i just knew it wow and that's what made me want to do that you know and you can't you know because a guy who's let's say 28 or 30 and he has all these options. Well, guess what? You have the options too. And I think women are playing the field on these dating apps probably as much as or more than guys are. So I don't love your suggestion 
that it's really hard for a woman now, 25 to 35, to settle down because I think they're playing the field as much as or more than guys are at this point because they have more options within a dating app. That's fair, and I'll totally if I'm that. If I'm a remotely attractive guy, okay, and a, another remotely, someone who's like of equal, if I'm a seven and there's another woman who's a seven and they both got on a dating app the same day and the profiles were similar. They were specific enough, but not super like, oh, I'm looking for this. Like, and, and the photos were nice and they were nicely taken and they both had five photos, right? And mm-hmm. we found two people that were both sevens. The woman at the end of the first day would have 217 likes and the guy would have 12. <laughs> Do you understand that? Do you know yeah. that that is, that well, is accepted as fact? That I, is a okay. factual thing. Okay, I accept that. I and accept if you that. think women are going to run with that and be like, eh, Bob and Billy and Dave and Pete and Doug, they all, yeah, this is great. <laughs> you guys do it probably more so than guys, not because inherently you want to have more people to draw from. It's just you have more options. That's the truth. Mm. So I refute your theory that it is really hard for a woman to settle down right now. I don't think that I don't think that guys at 28 or 30 or 32 have more options than women do. I just okay. don't I don't believe that. I'm going to look into this. Yeah, please um, do. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of somebody who is a serious person between the ages of 25 and 35 who has done has worked hard in their life and trying to find a mate. That's all. You know, yeah, it's hard. So I, I'm going to switch topics here real quick, and then we Fire probably away. have to wrap up because I know yeah, you have yeah, a you, very tired child. I do. I know. So somebody asked me this afternoon, what is the difference between ENM and polyamory? We've covered that. I know, but it was asked again today, so I just thought maybe you could just Okay, recap. I thought you were asking. No, Someone no, asked no. you. I, I know, but I just was not, I'm not ENM is ethical non-monogamy. Right. Okay. How, how is that different from polyamory? Well, I'll let me let you take this, and I will help you along if you need help. But we've covered this. Yes, my what I. My I don't mean an- to put you on the spot. My answer was E and M is ethical non-monogamy if uh, uh, to a couple, um, regardless of gender, were already in a committed relationship and decides together to have an open relationship, whether it's allowing one partner to open to participate in other intimate relations outside of the commitment um, or both right and then there's rules around that and i wasn't quite sure how different that is from polyamory because polyamory from what i understand is you have a committed relationship and an open discussion and agreement and almost like a contract to set the rules of sharing time and space and intimacy with other people and it could be a triad, it could be four people, it could be two couples. So that was the best answer I could give based on my limited knowledge of that. So is there really a difference actually? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, okay. Of course. Sorry. I. Yeah, yeah. you're trying too hard here. You're For someone who doesn't, has never done any of these things. No. Um, well, I always say that's a technicality because everyone has done ethical we will have that discussion actually at some point. everyone has done non-monogamy just usually not ethically right i think that's what we've determined yes yes so we that's a whole nother podcast but yes i agree with that ethical non-monogamy i'm going to make an analogy ethical non-monogamy is like saying baseball i play baseball okay, okay. And you could play Major League Baseball, Minors, AAA, AA, Single A, High A, Rookie League. Right. High School, Little League, Rec, Travel. 
Ethical non-monogamy means non-monogamy, meaning you are probably boning more than one person and you're doing it ethically. People know about it. You're sharing that. Oh, it covers yes, everything. Yes, Swinging, yes. monogamish, everything. Okay, okay. Okay? Ethical, meaning people know. Okay? And then polyamory means, what does poly mean? More than one. Right. Amory, love. More than one. People that you have a romantic involvement with and it's more than one person. That's a very good distinction too. It's, it's easy. It, you don't have to be doing this like I have. You just have to just fight your way through the definition. Ethical non-monogamy is just like this big blanket thing of other people knowing that you are you know, spending time with more than one person, typically physically. Uh, okay. Because monogamy, for the most part, people, you know, kind of put that in the, you know, the subcategory of sexual encounters. I get that. Okay. okay. That, that's a much better way of putting it than I did. Yeah. So, wrapping up, what's yeah. going on this weekend? Well, no baseball weather games? sucks. There's a bunch. There's, we have, he has two baseball games scheduled. I don't think he's going to play either one of them. Um, he's got one tomorrow, a rec game uh, Saturday, and he's got what nice travel game on Sunday. The weather looks terrible in Saratoga Springs, all of upstate New York. Yeah. In fact, the the first day that I see where there's like less than a fifteen percent chance of rain is next Saturday. Oh my God. Which is April showers. Which is yeah, yeah, May, still April, still April. Yeah. Uh, I think the first is Monday. Well, that stinks. Yeah, does stink. <laughs> it was a fun night at the L tonight. Yeah, it was a fun night. We had a decent crew here. Bob Fox playing the tunes. Yeah. A lot of 90s rock, a lot of Matchbox 20, a little Pearl Jam, a little Bush. He always throws come down at us. Yeah, that's right. A little that's glycerine, right. and he knows about at least 70% of the words. <laughs> and Seiko, whenever he's down there and he plays, he's like, this isn't the right word. Huh? I said, well, you know what? Gavin had a few cocktails last night, and he uh, glycerine was a struggle for Gavin last night. Oh, I'm basically yeah. glad I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, Seiko can probably hear us talking about this, and he's like, "Boy, he missed a few notes." Oh boy! So, so when you're, you're when Bob Fox took a break, I was so tempted to grab the guitar and play the four chords, chords I actually know. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I play, suck right now. He play, He probably played glycerine tonight. Did you hear it, or were I you just chatting with it. the buddies I was and stuff? With and he doesn't play that loudly. He plays yeah. a little on the quiet side, which is good on the quiet side which is good yeah. but it was tempted I, I, it, I sent a recording it really sucks I really suck right now I, I have a lot of questions about how to put my fingers on the strings but that's yeah. for another time yeah so he's gonna try to learn on an electric guitar because it's easier to hold the strings down on an electric guitar than an acoustic guitar yeah yeah. Much easier. Yeah, I'm gonna do my son proud because you know he's a he loves it. And there's different strings you can put on an electric guitar that make it even easier. Ooh. There's these strings called slinkies that are a little easier to hold down to That's the fretboard. That's what my son has. Yeah. yeah. See. So okay. not just a hand rack. <laughs> Wealth of knowledge. <laughs> you know what we didn't talk about? What didn't we talk about? Our golfing. <gasps> in oh yeah. 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 Joe and I went golfing. We played uh, Mechanicville Golf yep. Club. And Ever, um, Devereaux Emmett um, design. Mm. Same gentleman that in this area um, did a few different courses, did Mohawk. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Edison okay. Club. I did look him up a little, yeah. Um, those are two of his better clubs. Right. Um, he did uh, McGregor Lynx. Yes, you mentioned that one, yep. And uh, he did Congressional down mm -hmm. in the D.C. area in Bethesda, which has hosted U.S. Opens, PGA Championships, Ryder Cups. Yeah. 
And he did this little dinky little nine-hole course, right? Mechanicville. People don't know that. Don't call it dinky. It was the most well, beautiful nine-holes I have it's a short ever played course. in my life. Yeah, dinky just means like a little course. It doesn't mean that it's not well-kept or that it's not a nice, fun, interesting course. It just means it's a small course. It's a short course. Yeah. I had a friend. I opened up my trunk, saw the golf clubs. I was like, yep, played nine-holes with Josh. And they were like, you did? I'm like, dude, when a former PGA golfer asks you and tells you, hey, you want to grab nine holes like as a last minute thing? The only answer is yes. Are you yeah. effing kidding me? We, like we that's like a $500 it was fun. And then I lesson. Went, and I went right over to... Uh, you did. You played another nine, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I played another nine holes at a, um, another course, probably 15 miles down the road from that. That was fun. And, and I came back to pick up Seiko from his batting practice. Yeah. So it was nice. It was a great day. It was a great day off. I told Seiko, I said... Next time you play golf, he said, if I'm not your caddy, I'm really going to be offended. <laughs> I'm if, kidding. If, if, what's this now? I, I told you, he goes like, next time you play by yourself and I'm not your caddy, I'm really going to be oh, offended. So you're caddying for him. Yes, of yeah. course. Like, yeah. I can't play against this kid. Well, this we got to switch awesome. tails around. He's got a caddy for you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mm. know. That was fun. That was a great day. We yeah. got to get more of that going. It, it was a great day. Golf is a great sport. And then just so you know, folks, Joe hit balls the very next day mm-hmm. and sent me a couple of videos of her swing, but... It wasn't. It was just like a close-up of the club hitting the ball. So I couldn't really give her any tips. And by the way, mm. there was a recommendation by you to Anna mm. and I and mm-hmm. all the listeners, mm-hmm. female, yeah. that if you ever want to meet a person of quality, maybe I'm rephrasing that, oh, yeah. golf, go to a golf club. <laughs> yeah, for the ladies out there that are struggling to find this guy, <laughs> I mean, 91% of people that play golf are men at your average course down the road. Um, and they at least have the means, the resources to play a nice golf course and, you know, pay a hundred dollars or so, whatever it costs to play. So, I mean, that'd be a fun way to maybe weed them out a little bit, especially if you do like golf and then you have one thing in common already. Well, um, I went to an, a fairly nice driving range right mm-hmm. next to the Saratoga winery because mm-hmm. it was on, you know, That's on route range. to Saratoga. So balls there. And I took a video of every single men <laughs> who were hitting balls there. Were there and, anyone that were cute? Well, I was going to send it to you and Anna, and I will. I was like, <laughs> I did not so, get this video. When was the when? Remember that time when Josh told us that the golf course is a place to meet men? <laughs> it was so bad. Joe, I'm so sorry. Joe, you went to a very rural I area did. driving range. I did not Saratoga National. Not a lot of NASCAR folk out there. <laughs> no, not there's anything wrong with NASCAR <laughs> for our listeners. I wasn't gonna find a future husband there. Right, <laughs> but you got to look at what percentage of people are attractive. What do you think that number is? Oh. So I'm clearly saying like the effability 15%? Test. Whoa, 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 whoa. 30%. Of all people on the earth. Of all people on the earth? I think the number is about 4%. <gasps> you think less than that? Totally effable? Okay. Like effable. The effability test we talked about, remember? <laughs> you think it's 15%? I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> okay, 10%. All right, see, I think it's lower than that. Wow, 4%, huh? I don't know, 5%? I don't think it's oh much higher Lord. than that. Oh, this is, again, a bad conversation. If you guys are going out for a cocktail tonight. Yes, we are. That's the creme de la creme. I mean, this is a Friday night. I this isn't a nice town, upscale town. Right. And it's still early. You're not looking at, you know, you guys aren't, uh, you know, heading you know, down below to some of the other seedier places. Right, right. right. That is a good pool of talent. Decent. Right. If, if you... Just count out 
10 dudes that walk by. Okay. And you tell me, I think it's probably one or two tops. I, and I, it might be, you might go by 10 that it would be this zero. This is true. This is true. Prove me wrong. We, that'll be a to be continued for the next podcast. Might get arrested for taking creeper videos. Oh, but I might. to make a video. I trust your numbers. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Deal. All I will right. report back tomorrow. Sounds good. And this is who passes that test after one or two beers, not like seven drinks or something. Not that I'm assuming you're going to have seven drinks, but no. clearly our standards change a little bit the more intoxicated we get. Very true. That's a yeah. tale as old as time. <laughs> The beer goggles. Was it? What was it? The beer goggles. Yeah. <laughs> Beauties in the eye of the beer, beer holder. holder. <laughs> that was a funny. That is a good one. That's a t-shirt. All right, get All right. these two sleeping beauties out of here. Seriously, you? like everybody's falling asleep on us, Seiko, especially Seiko. Seiko is not. Seiko is, I guaranteed, on his phone right now. Oh. On his bed. Yeah, but he'd probably want to get good good night's rest. Yeah. All it was right. so funny. I was watch just real quickly. Um, there was a lot of time between the opening band and Bush. Yeah. And I just kept looking over at Zico, and he's so cute. He was watching. He was looking at stuff on his phone, and they're all like golf videos and baseball videos. Is that what he was watching? Yeah. He's a good kid. Let's not corrupt oh, him. Oh man, I got six years of that kid till he goes away to school, and then life gets fast forwarded. And <sighs> yeah, your friends will be around you to support you. I went through I'm that. I'm gonna blink. I'm gonna open my eyes. He's gonna be away at school. In my life, they go. You'll be opening up a restaurant bar right near the college, mm. <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Then I'll go back and try to, you know, listen to <laughs> our own dating suggestions. That's so. right. <laughs> At the age of ninety-seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, wrapping up. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. Yeah. Welcome back from your bush extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yeah. We shall be back. Bye. <laughs> Bye.